0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. Today, we've got friend of the show, Matt Robinson from Tall Can Audio stopping by to help us break down a very busy past 48 hours on the NHL free agency market. We talk trades, we talk signings, some of the things that shocked us, some of the signings that were steals of deals, all of that and more. It's a jam-packed episode. Let's get right into it as we break down the 2022 NHL free agency period with Matt Robinson joining us on the podcast today we've got friend of the show matt robinson from Tolkien audio coming in from cottage country to talk all things nhl free agency frenzy how are you doing tonight buddy i'm doing all right man i
1: had to uh had to hit the road had to get the hell out of ottawa when uh well when the unpleasantness struck there the other night i'm sure we'll get to that but uh, things are good <laughs> up here at the lake so happy to be joining you
0: well, I was I was going to ease us into it, like a, like a nice warm bath here and do some palate cleansers. But if you, you want to hop right into Leafs land, Matt Murray, like, we, we got to get to him at some point there. So. <laughs> oh, good. Why don't we do this here? Just so that we can get your gears going a little bit on some other non-Leafs related talking points. Why don't we I'd start with some, some of the other items that, uh, you know, busy day in the last 24 hours. Lots of contracts getting handed out. And frankly, a lot of... Term on those contracts as well yeah. too. There, there hasn't been uh, too many of the shorter variety, except for you know maybe Claude Giroux uh, on the three year, but a lot of eight year deals, a lot of seven year deals, and some of these deals are getting handed out not just to people in their twenties, but we've got people in their mid thirties that are getting some of these right. deals. Like let's maybe even look at what the Pittsburgh Penguins did leading up to free agency obviously Evgeny Malkin had the equivalent of uh, I'm gonna test free agency like you know someone kind of running away from home and they pack right. their stuff and they get halfway around the block and ah, I'm coming back right Screw so it. Yeah. He, he signs the deal but also Latang and Raquel coming in so what were your thoughts on them just essentially deciding to get the band back together and run it back in Pittsburgh
1: yeah. You know what? At, uh, you know, in the lead up to it, I had read, you know, all the same insiders that everybody else is reading kind of going, you know what? It seems like maybe this is going to get done with Letang. There's a way that maybe they could make that happen. And at the end of the day, Ron Hextel's just like, screw it. Keep it, everybody. And, uh, we're just going to make it, ha- make it happen. I- I'll be honest with you. When they signed Raquel after Letang, I thought that was it. I thought that was Gino's money and, uh, and he was on his way out, but, uh, they circle back at the last minute, and get it done. I don't know. I, I it sort of seems like at this point you're just kicking the can down the road as much as you can, and uh, I you know they've always said as long as as Crosby and Malkin are, are Penguins, we're going for it, and it looks like they're going to keep going. Um, I wonder, you know, last year if they had gotten any type of goaltending in that first round against the Islanders, they win that series. Uh, this year they're far from healthy when they play the Rangers. The Rangers end up going on a pretty good run. I don't know. Maybe it's not that like the term is absolutely crazy, as you alluded to a few minutes ago. But maybe that's what it takes to to keep those guys around. And look, when they finally do fall apart, it will be awful because they have traded all their picks for as long as anyone can remember. So maybe I don't know if you can delay that an extra couple of years. Why not? I guess it's going to be rough anyway. Why not just ride it right into the ground?
0: Yeah, it's not going to be a uh, slow descent. You know, maybe a water landing. No. It's going to be literally flying into the side of a mountain when the wheels come off on the. Basically, a man, wily e. coyote style. Yeah, but I mean, that's just it too, right? Like you look at it, Chris Letang, obviously huge part to that franchise, pillar of that community. Does a lot of great stuff off the ice. You know, they're keeping Crosby happy by bringing him back, so th- there's yeah. trickle down effects to it, but. Uh, let's call a spade a spade here. He's 35 years old. Did you really need to hand him a six year contract with 6.1 yeah. million going against the cap? Like every year, like th- they better be hiring whoever's in the front office in Tampa Bay. That's finding all these LTIR, you know, <laughs> loopholes and whatnot. Cause I, I, I don't see any scenario in which Chris Latang is 41 years old, still playing under this current contract. Right?
1: No. And it'd be him and Gino, right. With the, the inj- injury history too um when the wheels do come off they're gonna come off fast and uh yeah at this point when you sign those over 35 contracts I think there's also extra penalties right like that stuff doesn't disappear from your cap so it's a risk for sure because even if they do play out those deals they're not going to be worth that money by the end of them so uh yeah I'm sure those guys are banking on the fact that Yeah, we probably won't still be here to be the ones to have to clean up the mess anyway. So screw it, right?
0: (laughs) Exactly. They're not spending their own money to sign these guys, right? Not right, but. Washington Capitals go over to them, kind of tied into Pittsburgh with the, you know, Ovechkin and Backstrom era is kind of winding down at the same time as the Crosby-Malkin era. And they decided to blow it up in kind of a different way, kept the core together, but said, all right, our entire goaltending pipeline is going to get overhauled here. So they go out and make a splashy signing. Darcy Quemper, five years, $26.25 million. That's 5.25 AAV. 32 years old, though you can make the argument one of two ways, right? Either this is a guy who is now rounding into form. He's found something sort of later in his career. And you know what? He proved that you can win a Stanley cup with this guy. Mm -hmm. The other side of the coin is, you look at the absolute wagon that the Colorado avalanche were in front of him. And there are probably a handful of other goaltenders who also could have gotten similar results to him. Which of those perhaps you and I, Uh, I I wouldn't go that far there. You you've never seen me (laughs) between those pipes. My spatial awareness isn't the greatest, but uh, (laughs) maybe you, but uh, all that being said, like which of those two camps are you falling into? Do you think that this is a good deal and this could get them, over that hump that they keep sort of running into in the postseason or is this something that's gonna come back and bite them not five years down the line but maybe even two or three seasons into it
1: yeah and you know you wonder with that group too right tj oshie has got a lot of hard miles on him uh backstrom i guess gonna miss a bunch of time here uh getting surgery so that's a group that's getting ready to age out too and you brought in a 32 year old goalie uh i guess you're leaning into what you are. I, I've said a few times going uh, throughout this year's Stanley Cup final, this was a referendum on how you build your goaltending stable, right? Vasilevsky uh, in Tampa there. He's got the long-term contract at $9.5 million, clearly a superstar, and that's what you need to be a consistent Stanley Cup winner. Colorado was like, screw that. We're going to spend our money in other places. We're going to drop any old Joe in here, and we're going to get it done anyway. And maybe that's a little unfair to Darcy Kemper, who showed that when he was healthy, he was pretty good in Arizona and uh, and Colorado had to pay big to get him. I think it was a first round pick, and uh, it was it Connor Timmins? I think went with that pick to Arizona to get this guy, um, and he was fine, but he wasn't you know one of those classic Stanley Cup winning goalies who stands on his head. He was just sort of there and did his job, and yeah, five times five two, five for that guy. For me, it's a bit rich, and I think yeah, you got that bump of playing behind that Avalanche team for a year and and got you know got rich off of it and, and good for him if you can get somebody to pay you that uh you know there's a few of those deals out there for goalies you know 30 and above now uh that are getting paid over five million dollars i i uh, got serious question marks about. but but uh, good for him if you manage to get it and washington a lot like pittsburgh when it finally ends it will end hard so why not try and keep it afloat as long as you can
0: yeah it almost feels as though both of those franchises are kind of propping their windows to compete open with you know duct yes. tape and <laughs> flimsy straws and whatnot That's it, man. yeah hey as long as MacGyver it's open it you've you got a chance right all you got to do is get into the playoffs yeah. and crazier things could happen but all that being said you, you look at darcy kemper and you know i i find myself going back and forth between those two camps right like yeah i I think there were a lot of goaltenders who probably won't be making you know all-star teams anytime soon that had you put them in nets they probably would have done equally as well with colorado this season at the same time though if you look across the entire nhl landscape let's say the olympics were starting today is darcy Quemper the starting goalie for canada
1: yeah we remember where everybody was having this debate back in the fall. There was a time, man. I, I don't know. I think you're a little bit younger than me. Maybe not. But when I grew up, Canada did not worry about goaltending no, going into no. the Olympics. It was Patrick <laughs> Y, It was Marty Brodeur. It was Eddie Belfour, It was Curtis Joseph. It was... You had this long list of... And then all the way up through, you know, your Luangos and your Prices and whatever. And then we get to this fall and everybody's talking about... Uh, What's up with Price? He gonna be healthy? Is he back? <laughs> we're we're looking at Mackenzie Blackwood here. We're looking at, uh, yeah, Jordan um, Binnington if he Kemper. can keep things right, together. Yeah.
0: Like it's it's a, not exactly a who's who of uh, no. And so Darcy Kemper was
1: on that list, and it sort of seemed like he tumbled a little bit maybe throughout the season, and maybe it's just. Uh, you know, that East Coast bias. He's out West. I can't stay up that late to watch all his games or whatever. But he got it back together and, and played well enough through the playoffs. Did have that eye injury that kept him out a little bit. um, And did everything that he had to do. But let's be real. Again, if you thought it was easy playing behind Colorado, playing behind Team Canada and that defense too, you, you don't necessarily need the stud. You need the guy that won't lose it for you. So maybe he would have been right in that mix. You know, Carey Price didn't end up playing much. Mackenzie Blackwood didn't end up having a very good year. I don't know who else it would have come down to with Darcy Kemper. It, it may have very well been him by the time we got to the Olympics that would have been standing in there for uh, for Canada. And that makes me a little uncomfortable, to be honest with you.
0: Well, it's it's almost a good thing that Russia isn't going to be invited to any of these things because yes. their starting goaltender would be what? <laughs> Sorokin, Vasilevsky, and Shesterkin. They would have their choice of those three, yeah. and they'd probably oh be my, cutting yeah. a bunch yeah. of other people that would be starting for Team Canada That's as well. That's right, Oh, Just wild. Anyways, if we stay in the realm of goaltenders here, because you know a, a Washington Capital had to have moved out in order to make room for the aforementioned Darcy Komper, let's get to your beloved Toronto Maple Leafs now. Now that you've had time <laughs> to settle in here, so yeah, Toronto, do you feel better about Murray and Samsonov or Campbell and Razik? Like, where have you sort of landed? in the past 48 hours now that everything's unfolded as it has i'm just happy
1: that i haven't landed outside my window like having jumped (laughs) right that's uh (laughs) i i get what the appeal is here and Duba said as much in his press conference that if you ride the the jack campbell thing was going to take five years a term and he wasn't willing to commit that to him and i get that right jack campbell When he came to Toronto, ended up being better than any of us expected. It ended up being a very good trade. He slowly takes the starters net from Freddie last year. He has uh, at best what you would call an up and down season this year when he was good. He was very good when he was bad. Oh, my God, he was bad. And I thought he was fine in the playoffs. And, you know, he was everything. The Leafs did not lose round one to the Lightning because of Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. But there's not enough runway there to be willing to pay that guy, in my opinion, $5 million times five years. That made me nervous. Doesn't make me Matt Murray nervous, but it made me nervous. And the reason that Dubas has to be so conscientious about this is in two years, uh, both William Nylander and Austin Matthews have their contracts expire and you need some flexibility to be able to move. And if that Jack Campbell contract already looks bad and turns out to have been a mistake, And now it's going to cost you the ability to hold on to Austin Matthews, man, they'll be out there, you know, with your head on a stick at that point. So I get it. These guys expire before that contract does or at the same time that it does. But man, when you lock yourself into that world, yeah, you're doing some serious uh, bargain basement shopping and I honestly, I have no issue whatsoever with uh, with Samsonov at 1.8 on a one-year deal. He's a former first-round pick. Uh, he's got, a, I think he's 25 years old. Yeah. You know, can they help him find something? I think that's a possibility. And if not, it's a one-year deal at very little money. It won't hurt you, Matt Murray, for two years, and uh, the Sens only have to hold on to 25 percent of that contract, which. I don't know what the hell has happened here, but Pierre Dorian suddenly looks like a genius the last week or so. Uh, he manages to pawn that deal off down the highway. And yeah, it makes me really nervous. I I, I don't know. I, I do believe, obviously the Leafs have that bigger front office and that bigger, you know, health sciences department and all these sorts of things, but memory has been trending down for quite a while. And I just, I don't see what they see that they think they can rebuild here. And all this talk, they know him because he's a greyhound. They don't know him. They knew him, right? That was a very long time ago. And yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's it's short term, and it's it's what it's, uh, you know, about six million dollars as opposed to Campbell and uh, and Morazic would have been about eight point five. I mean, I guess there is that you can look at, but yeah, I I don't understand the appeal here, and I have not been able to. What was it on the Monday morning? Friedman tweeted out. It looks like it's getting close Mm -hmm. and I walked around all day trying to talk myself into it, assuming at minimum Ottawa's eating 50% here. So we're going to pay this guy $3 million. And I spent the day going, can I get there? Is this a $3 million risk? What, you know, that I'm looking at the fancy stats. I'm looking at his analytics and going, maybe, maybe. And then you find out Ottawa's only keeping 25%. You're like, no, this is stupid. I, I don't know what they're thinking. And I just about, I had a little meltdown on my own show there. I had to get inside my feelings a little bit. Let the world know how I felt. So I have, I'm still, I have not come to terms with this, man. It's, it's a baffling move from what I believed to be a, a smart front office. I don't see what they see.
0: Yeah, and that's just it, right? It seemed to be almost as though the Leafs felt like there was a bigger market for Matt Murray than there probably was in reality. Like, Who are they realistically bidding against? maybe you could have made the case that you know Edmonton was kicking some tires on Murray at one point but they were were probably you know hoping that Connor Brown was also coming the other way there as well too so it was kind of a package deal but it, it really felt like they felt as though they were under pressure to get this done and you know what if we had to give a little bit more favorable terms to Ottawa then so be it but for whatever reason, I don't know where that was coming from. Maybe it is just familiarity no. breeds that need to sort of bring him back. And I, I know we knew him when he was coming up through the ranks and we can rebuild him faster, stronger, better, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but it, it really is kind of that mentality where that seems to be the Leafs front office's mo and the coaching staff and all that. Cause it, it, DJ Smith in Ottawa is horrific for this is my guy let's bring him in i I can make it work and then it gets here and it's just an absolute train wreck and everyone other than dj smith can see it right like do you think they had their blinders on here like i i do i think that
1: across pro sports the thing that we see most often out of general managers is this arrogance that well those guys can't figure it out if we get them here we can figure it out whatever the problem is whether it's attitude whether it's injury once we get them into our system he'll be fine. We can figure it out. And the Leafs have been guilty of that in a few places, but it just never felt to me because there have been other times where it's worked out. Right. And, and they have made some shrewd moves like that. This one, if you believe that you are a contender, you can't gamble that on this, right? This isn't a, this isn't Tyler Ennis that you're going to rebuild and, you know, for a year he'll play on your third line. And you know, he'll get his career back going and, and continue on for a few more years somewhere else. This is your starting goalie in a year where you're trying to contend. And I just, yeah, if it's the Sault Ste. Marie thing, I think that's ego. I think that's a huge mistake. And you don't know this guy um, and his injury history. I know they were able to get in and look at him first and stuff, but he's also been through some stuff mentally, right? That, you know, it would be difficult to overcome for any of us. So yeah, I think there's some ego here, and and maybe I'll be wrong. Like maybe they can get him up and going, but there's two problems here. It's not just his performance; it's his health, right? Mm-hmm. And to think you're gonna overcome both of those for him, I don't know. I I, I think it's a problem. I, I do. I think that they've bitten off maybe more than they can chew here, and and he's probably tied his his job to it, right? They we all go well, you know. You put up a good fight against Tampa this year, and. I think Leaf fans and probably the board are tired of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think Brendan Shanahan is getting ready to fire Kyle Dubas. I do believe it's possible if things are not better this year, that the board will clear them both out and uh, it won't be Shani's call anymore. So to have hooked your wagon in such an important year to Matt Murray was a fascinating decision to me. And I would have much preferred you just go, just give me league average every night, go find, James Reimer, right? Go find Thomas Price, Simeon Varlamov. Just the Leafs last year had like a something like a 1912 and one record while getting 885 or worse goaltending. So you don't need someone <laughs> that's going to dominate. You just need someone who's good or just yeah. like who's fine. And I, far from convinced that either of these two guys will be fine. But one of them is coming in at $1.8 million and one's coming in at 4.7. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it, <laughs> it's risk, you raise a great point though, right? Because that really is what the Leafs are looking for in Nets is consistency. And as any Sens fan yeah. will probably tell you, there is not a less consistent goaltender in the NHL over the last couple seasons than Matt Murray. Now, some of that, mm-hmm. Can be attributed to the fact that you know you, you seem to sneeze and then develop an injury at certain points there. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to the mental health in a second, which also can I can relate
1: you. to that. I'm getting old over here.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. But like, there is a yeah. very well-known scouting report out there that if you just go high glove side on Matt Murray, good things are probably going to happen for mm-hmm. you as a shooter. So this isn't a secret some of it can be attributed to the fact that he plays smaller in the net than he should he's got a bad habit of shrinking into his crease rather than playing high in the paint and all of that but th- there's some technical stuff but what would worry me the most and i'm trying to put aside you know the ottawa bias for a second of hey he's your problem now but like as an outside yeah. observer of this is not my team this is not my money to hand out it would literally be the fact that you know what? There were some genuine injuries that happened over the course of the last two seasons. I wonder how many of the games that he missed though, was from either strained relationship, the seasons in the shitter already. So who cares? Mental health issues, clashing with the coaches, you guys tried to, you know, put me on waivers, send me down to the AHL. You know, this isn't how you treat, you know, a star goaltender, blah, 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 blah. So we've got that entire mental piece and you are now going from a small market in Ottawa Mm -hmm. to the most hyper-focused market in the entire league. Toronto, Montreal, pick your poison over who is under the microscope more there. But you are going to be under the microscope tenfold. So I hope for Matt Murray's sake that he's able to stay healthy and right the ship, right? Not just even for let's get the Battle of Ontario going again, but I genuinely worry if things start to go south in a hurry and he's already got some mental health issues, where does he end up a year from now if he's getting buried by every sports talk radio show known to mankind? Yeah. I think
1: that's a legitimate concern, right? Is, is it's a fishbowl in a big way. And and it's not like Ottawa isn't. Ottawa is the only show in town, but it also has fewer, um, you know, reporters kicking around when you are struggling and the Leafs are, you know, obviously your, your usual suspects, the sports radio stations are around TSN and sports that are based there or whatever. But when things go bad, the local news guys start showing up and it's suddenly that too, like, there's, there's dozens of people around. And if it's not going well, yeah, it, it takes sometimes a certain type of guy to be there. And, and people used to roast Phil Kessel on not being good with the media. Phil was perfect for Toronto. Cause he just didn't care. Right. Like he'd just be <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. I'll be back tomorrow. And, it'll go better or it won't. And he did not waste his time with the media stuff. Other guys do, it gets to them. And I think he'll feel more supported. He knows he's wanted here. Those guys specifically went out and targeted him and brought him in and they're going to do what they can to rebuild him. But I think there's uh, a lot going on there that, uh, yeah, it's just, I have not yet gotten to a place where I can wrap my head around this and go, yeah, this is a worthwhile gamble right now, at least not at the money they're paying them in, in this, this contention window. Uh, if you believe that they're in one, um, yeah i i I can't get there
0: yeah well flip side of the coin if we go back down the 401 here in ottawa pierre dorian on an absolute heater right now brings in Giroud. yeah
1: you guys are probably feeling a lot different
0: yeah yeah it, well you know what it's like a uh, little brother syndrome right you guys have had the shiny new toys for the last five years and Ottawa's been struggling through yeah. oh guess guess who's on the first line tonight boys it's it's not pretty right. but it yeah. is finally starting those years of unparalleled success I guess are right around the corner in theory at least on paper based on the moves that they've made right you get Giroux in at three years DeBrincat which let's take a second to talk about that here. Uh, if you were the Chicago Blackhawks who are not hiding the fact that they want Connor Bedard number one overall, and are doing everything yes. in their power to strip that roster down to achieve that goal. But if you're the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks, how do you trade Alex DeBrincat without receiving a single prospect or roster player in return? Just picks. Like how, how do you sell that to your owner? If you're the GM.
1: I think right now the owner maybe has bigger things on his plate with how that year, how this year has gone in Chicago. I'm with you though. It's a terrible trade and you don't need to look any further than the fact that earlier in the day on the Thursday that our draft day, Pierre Dorian was preparing to trade that pick with uh, Matt Murray to Buffalo. Now yeah. I know the Brinkett deal may have still gone down. They talked about, they would have to sweeten the pot and then use Buffalo's pick and whatever, but you got least here and yeah. <laughs> this is not an old player right this is a 24 year old guy who's already hit 40 goals twice there were teams that would have fallen all over themselves to get that guy and yeah, had the package and it looked weak it looked really weak and i don't know if they're just trying not to pay people and so they liked the idea of picks better um i don't understand it because it was sort of similar the same day they traded kirby dock away who's 21 mm-hmm. years old and like man if this is a guy that can be part of a rebuild he'll still be here in a few years when you get this turned around and they just like no pitch and everything overboard and Pierre Dorian was there like I'll take that and good (laughs) on him like he grabbed it and didn't pay much for it and it's a sweet deal
0: yeah absolutely and suddenly you've gone from okay Ottawa's got one viable line to okay they've got a legitimate top six They've still got some work to do on yep. that back end to become a true title contender or playoff contender, however you want to kind of phrase it there, but they really have. Pinto and Formantin is a basis for a nice third line as well. Like it's shaping up pretty nice in Ottawa right now it, to be it, honest, it, right? Like, it really is. It really is. It feels almost as though you're cheering for an entirely different team based on what that franchise has iced the last few seasons. It's like they, they just went from, yeah, you know, it's it's, disorienting. Yeah, it really is. Right. We're in the premier league all of a sudden. Sudden, you know, we we won the relegation <laughs> and we're up with the big times. It's crazy, but it really is a buzz in the city right now. And you know what? I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around where all of this is suddenly coming from. And I mean, you know, I, I don't have an inside source or anything like that, but if I'm reading the tea leaves here, you know, I, I would love for the Melnick daughters to retain ownership stake in the team moving forward. But at the same time, let's not kid ourselves here that someone needs to come in that has deep, deep pockets here and eventually take that over and sort of steer it to that next level. And whether they retain a minority ownership stake or whatever, great, more power to them. But it really feels like here, if I were to guess that this is just the Melnick ownership group and whoever's looking after that estate saying handcuffs are off do whatever you need to do to field a super competitive roster. We've got Le Breton lined up. All of these things on paper now takes Ottawa's valuation from whatever. Let's pick numbers here. 400 million two months ago to maybe 600, 700 million yeah. all of a sudden now that you've got a legitimate contender in a downtown arena coming, right? So is it just that you really think Pierre Dorian has the handcuffs taken off him and he was always a secret genius that was being held down by Eugene Melnick or do you think this is you know the board's attempt to eventually lure in some outside investment and ultimately flip this franchise
1: I think it can be a couple of things right like I I do absolutely think that Pierre Dorian had his hands tied a little bit with uh, with an owner that was not afraid to tinker right and get his hands in there and kind of make it clear what he wants and and sometimes that wasn't always best for the franchise but you it could also be like you're saying that these things have made this franchise and you know, put them back on the map in a positive way. Cause the Sens were frequently in the news, but almost mm-hmm. never for the right reasons. And yeah. you know, even the things that you've mentioned there, the new arena and the free agents, whatever, Alfredson also gets the call to the Hall of Fame. Like everything's sort of coming up, senators right now. And if you sort of keep that momentum moving, it does, whether it's intentional or not make the the thing more valuable if you do turn around and sell it outright sell a piece of it uh, sell a majority stake and the Melnick daughters will stay involved in a minority ownership whether it's being done to prep it for a sale or whether it's being done because we badly need to excite this fan base again and rebuild this brand and get people feeling good about it I think those things can happen in tandem and I think they've done it pretty well here over the last couple of weeks some of it is luck. Like I said, they didn't have any control over the Alfredson thing, but it sure helps. They didn't have complete control over the arena thing. You're waiting on the NCC to make some decisions there, but the things that they can control in terms of bringing Claude Giroux home and making the Debrinket deal and uh, locking up today, Josh Norris to a long-term contract, all the things that they have been able to control, they've done well. And yeah, I think that can only help if you are out there looking for investments. At the same time, Look, I get why everybody's excited right now, and they absolutely should be, but I'm not willing to let Pierre Dorian completely off the hook for the last couple of years and say it was all Melnick. There were some things that he did that were, you know, that were mistakes, and he's been pretty good about cleaning up those mistakes, but, you know, there are still some baffling moves, and he's on a heater right now, and Sens fans should be excited about that, but I would probably stop short of saying the things that went wrong were always Melnick's fault. I think Dorian's got to wear a little bit of that, too.
0: Moving along here, we've got probably the biggest shock from free agency frenzy is our good friend, Mr. Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau, going to the Columbus Blue Jackets, leaving millions on the table to do so and spurning the Calgary Flames in the process. What was your entire reaction when you first heard this deal go through?
1: You know, when you're like reading something on Twitter and you do a closer look and it turns out it's. You know, TSN Rob McKenzie is the handle, or Pierre Leburne, or something <laughs> yeah. like it's. This is a this is a burner account. This isn't a real. You're know, like, oh my god, it actually is real. And this comes on the heels of earlier in the day they sign Eric Goodbranson to four times four, and you're like, what are is, is CBJ doing? That's yeah. ridiculous. That's a terrible contract for a guy like that. And Yarmo's a smart GM. Um, and so I was surprised. And then at the end of the day, they land. Johnny Goudreaux, I I was shocked. Honestly, I was absolutely shocked. I knew he wanted to, to come back east. And, you know, we'd all heard devils, flyers, islanders, like sort of in that area where he'd be close to home. And to see him end up in in Columbus, you know, I'm I'm honestly I like everybody else. I could not believe it. I still don't totally understand it. Uh other teams were offering more money. Certainly Calgary was. Uh, but there he is, Columbus Blue Jackets, and you know. They're starting, they've got some pieces, they're starting to build back up, but yeah, I was, I was blown away because you just don't see the Blue Jackets making these moves and I'm sure Sens fans won't appreciate the comparison or being lumped in, but to see two franchises like that have such a good free agency day and week or so, these smaller markets, you know, it's good for the league to get some of these stars spread out, get these markets back engaged and not feel like. You know, every uh, every time somebody's available, they're going to spurn those markets and always end up in the same six or eight places. And to see CBJ and Ottawa have a big day is is probably very good for the league.
0: Yeah, Gary Bettman, the big winner of free agency frenzy. Who knew? Yes. <laughs> good Lord. But yes. it, it really was shocking because, you know, like you mentioned, if the reports are true here, that well, uh, Calgary offered him close to $12 million a season, he's left a significant... Amount of money on the table here, and yeah, we can point to the want to be closer to home and uh, family and all of that. We're moving back east, but I can guarantee you, someone right now, and it could even be in the works, or going to press as we're recording this. There, expect there to be some sort of Gojo's camp will probably call it a hit piece. Calgary Flames diehards will probably call it, you know, an expose but something's coming down the line there was more to it than just oh i'm going to leave like money Sutter,
1: on it. or there was a exactly. rift in the room or something yeah you're right that happens pretty often that on your way out somebody kicks you in the ass on the way behind and you know what like you mentioned there calgary also had the ability to offer him that eighth year which columbus couldn't so when you mm-hmm. add the extra you know money he left like somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 17 million dollars on the table you want to be closer to home for sixteen, seventeen million dollars. You just pick up home and move it. You bring your family out to Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> you, you drop them in there, and and look, our family now we live in Calgary for that kind of money. But no, you're right. There will be some sort of, uh, you know, and we can all speculate, quite frankly, on uh, the most likely culprit to write the piece. But uh, it is coming. There will be some sort of piece that says what he had against Calgary or some sort of rift inside the organization, and. It really just sounds though, honestly, like you and I, we couldn't possibly imagine ever making 16, $17 million, let alone just leaving it on the table to go play somewhere else. And it really does sound like he was just, Oh, I'm good. I I like Columbus. So I'll go and play there and it'll be fine. And I'll still make more money than I would ever dreamed of in a lifetime. And uh, I can, I can deal with leaving that behind and man, that's just difficult for the rest of us. I think to wrap our heads around
0: yeah well especially too you can always say okay i want to go back home or i want to go to a warm weather climate there but you know calgary to columbus (laughs) is isn't exactly going you know calgary to southern california or anything like that there right it's not new york it's not miami it's yeah (laughs) yeah it's just ohio (laughs) yeah we're going going to the middle of ohio there but you know what hey each their own and like you said new york philly new jersey they all apparently made offers they all tried and for whatever reason, Columbus were were the grand champion winners. You know, when you compare 9.75 to 12, arguably got them at a steal of a deal as well, too.
1: Uh, had to give, uh, make sure there was room for that big Eric Goodbranson contract. <sighs> yeah, there, and they there, still there have go. to line up Patrick line a
0: too, right? right? So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We got a few more to get through here, but we'll, we'll just quickly touch on them before we uh, start wrapping up. Tampa Bay Lightning cernak sorelli sergachev all eight-year deals are you a fan of the let's lock in this core for kingdom come for the foreseeable future or do you think this is going to be an absolute train wreck before we even get halfway through these deals that they just handed out to these guys
1: yeah they're
0: they all feel just a
1: little bit high and that means something because the taxes in tampa mean they normally get guys at a bit of a discount right so I don't hate eight years necessarily for any of them, but I think each one's a little bit much. Like Sergachev at 24, he probably kind of is what he is. I don't know that there's a ton more growth there. And you look at Kale McCarr making nine million, you're like, does this guy deserve to be that close to to Kale McCarr? Sorelli, I love he's a former Oshawa general. That's where I grew up. And uh, 6.5 for his offensive numbers, like he's very good defensively, but I I don't know that his numbers are quite there for a 6.5. And then I think it was 5.5 for, uh, for Chernak again, kind of a defense first defenseman, very good. You'd love to have him on your team. Again, it just feels like a little bit much. And I guess we have to keep in mind that in two years, the cap's supposed to go way up and maybe all of these look fine. And then Tampa looks brilliant maybe for having locked them in early. It's not like any of them are terribly old, but yeah, all three felt like a little bit much to me.
0: Yeah, they all felt like moves that had they hit the free agent market, other teams, having watched the success that Tampa yeah. has had in the postseason, would go, oh, let's go out and get a Barclay Dumber control. And, you know, Tampa, you know, Tampa yeah.
1: doesn't make these mistakes, right? It,
0: exactly. <laughs> it, it almost felt like they were going against the one superpower that they had, the the ability to resist handing out yep. huge contracts to these playoff performers and overpaying in the open market. when. Traditionally, they've been able to either walk away from that or flip it for an asset. Even look at Palat signing for what he did in New Jersey there too. Like, again yeah he he scores timely goals but a huge part of game-winning goals is just sheer fluke you can't control when you know oh wow there was the third goal of the game and then the other team scored one and suddenly I became the game-winning goal so there's a huge element of
1: game-winning goals because your team is in a position to win games and New Jersey hasn't been so (laughs) exactly that was a bit confusing too yeah
0: so it's just just odd going on in Tampa Bay there but Another one that was a bit of a head scratcher as well, too, where it kind of seemed like that classic overpay for what really is at best, probably like a second line center is in New York with Vincent Trocek, right? Seven years, 39.38 million a season, and he's 29 years old, like this isn't a young 20s guy who still has room to grow. If anything, he's probably peaked and might even be on the decline in his career at this point. I totally agree with that. This one reminds
1: me too a lot of, of, um, of Andrew Kopp in Detroit. And I hope I'm not jumping ahead And you, but I looked at both of those and went, ah, I don't, I don't get this, right. That, like you said, at best, the number two center and you've bought them in for a long time, especially in Detroit, Steve Iserman, obviously he built that Tampa model. He, he doesn't make mistakes like this. And that one reminds me, like, I don't know if you remember way back in the day, marty Lapointe, he's like the third line center mm-hmm. in detroit and he has a great year because he's of course he's playing behind eiserman and fedorov who are taking all the <laughs> difficult checking assignments he goes to boston for five million dollars a year at the time when five mil was still huge money you're like oh shit as the number one center this is a lot harder and i don't have eiserman and fedorov to protect <laughs> me anymore yeah. that's what those deals remind me of is you know, Andrew Copp, especially, he's kind of been a number two, number three guy. He got to New York. Panarin did the heavy lifting on that line for him. Um, you know, Trojak, both in Florida and Carolina, kind of slotted in nicely. They had bigger weapons ahead of them, And in both of those cases, you're like, I don't think this is the guy, right, that you want to lean on. And you're not, you can't pay long term like that, in my opinion, for second and third line guys. It's just not the way you want to do it. So I was baffled by both of those.
0: Yeah, no, they they were definitely intriguing for different ways. I, th- I think the tr- Trocek, you could kind of make the argument that okay, you know, New York goes on the deep run that they did. They feel like yeah, all right, we're we're in our window to compete. We're at a couple of pieces here or there. Let, let's make a run at it. All right, I can see that. I, I but why do you need to hand out that kind of term? Like again, probably were some other teams that were interested, but people will take you know (laughs) same amount of money and I'm choosing between like you say New York or Columbus most people unless you're Johnny Gaudreau are gonna gonna pick the New York Rangers right (laughs) when you look at these rosters Andrew Kopp feels weird because of the sense that you look at Detroit like they're not ready to compete they're they're a couple years away they've got nice pieces but this is not a playoff team like Mm -hmm. Andrew Kopp seems like an addition you would make when you just got into the playoffs last year you kind of got your feet wet a little bit and now you're ready to start loading up for a deep run like I, I don't see how him at 28 years old or however old he is there fitting in with that super young core with Detroit that still needs probably another two three seasons of seasoning to actually start getting that window to compete open. Like it felt rushed. Like you say, Uh, Steve Eiserman doesn't usually swing and miss on these things, but that was, that was an intriguing one there for sure, where they clearly had cap space and (laughs) Stevie wanted to uh, get in on some of the spending that he saw going on in his hometown in Ottawa, I guess. Oh, And they, they grabbed Ben Sherratt as well. And
1: that screamed of, yeah, we have money to spend. We need to start getting this market excited again. We need to start showing we're going to be involved again, but that's not the way Eiserman normally does things. So I'm perplexed. I I'm surprised. I, I don't think either of those moves made very good sense for, uh, for that franchise, for where it is, like you said, in a year or two, when you're knocking on the door. Yeah. Then you start adding those types of pieces, but uh, but not yet. I don't think.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's maybe end off with this here, which was your favorite signing of the day and which was your least favorite i feel like i know which direction you're kind of heading in for least favorite yeah, am i ages? allowed to use you trade mean? instead of signing yeah, for it, least we'll, <laughs> we'll give you a carte blanche you can do whatever you want speak your piece here
1: <laughs> yeah it, honestly obviously it, it's it hits pretty close to home uh the the matt Murray thing that was uh upsetting it still is that's my least favorite uh without question my favorite yeah it's you know what I, I would say? I like what Colorado has done. And as we sit here now, Kadri hasn't re-signed or gone anywhere else yet. And there's still some talk that are trying to make that happen. But in the lead up, Colorado managed to hold on to Nechushkin. They managed to lock up Josh Manson. Um, and they haven't totally fallen out on the Kadri thing yet. They're doing a nice job of keeping that together. So that sort of group there. And and Georgiev, as the new goalie with Francus, or, you know, we talked earlier, with the way that team plays maybe you can just throw anybody in there and, and be okay i think i would say you know maybe it's one or two signings but i, I like what colorado did trying to try and keep the band there and, and keep this going as long as they can
0: yeah absolutely and, you know you look at who they played in the western conference final vander kane is a, obviously a polarizing figure here and the edmonton oilers going out there and committing both term and contract to him. Is this something that if you were a fan of that franchise or even a guy in that locker room, is this someone you putting skill aside for a second here? Is this someone you would want on your team or is this something that they are just, you know, putting pen to paper just because, Hey, he had a good playoff run with McDavid and we're hoping that on ice success can maybe bury some of these past allegations here.
1: Yeah. It's so hard because I'm, I think as a fan, your natural inclination is going to be to defend your team, right? I never would have brought him in there. Mm-hmm. And once he was in there, he played really well. Like you said, he's a very talented guy. We all know that. He can put up points, especially playing with the guys that he's playing with out there. And I wonder if once it came time to make a decision to resign long-term, you're like, we already did the hardest part. We took the PR blast of everybody giving a shit for bringing him in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fine in our room by all accounts for a year. Let's just go through it. And maybe when he went out looking around for the long-term deal with the money or whatever it else might be, all those other teams, it's still an unknown. Do we trust this guy? Are we willing to take the PR blast? Do we want his bullshit around here? And whereas Edmonton was like, yeah we, uh, we it's sort of the devil you know versus the devil you don't and so maybe the money just didn't present itself for Kane around the league like you might have hoped and you kind of take a look at everything again and go you know what it could be way worse than playing with uh with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. as a fan as an Oilers it's easy for the rest of us to go yeah screw that guy um but I have a feeling Euler fans have already made their peace, right? For right for better or worse, they saw what he was able to do there and and you can justify it to yourself now. Well, he's already here. He's been fine. Maybe he's changed. Maybe he has. We'll we'll see. But uh, I think the harder part for Oilers fans and the organization was earlier in the season when they brought him in. And uh now it's just ah, it went okay. Let's lock him up and and we'll see if he could stay on the straight and narrow for them
0: yeah they've already taken their media lashings for sure and who knows may, yep. maybe the uh, winters in edmonton will be enough to uh, keep him on straight and narrow rather than in uh, the bay area yeah, who wants to go out
1: you just there. stay at home yeah and, exactly yeah, screw this.
0: it's too cold yeah. to go and get into trouble yeah exactly might be good for him long term there as well too but matt we appreciate you coming on as always for those that are listening that want to check out any of the Talk audio stuff where's the best places to find you these days yeah we're
1: on all the social media feeds at talk audio except tiktok i'm not a tiktok guy i don't get it uh i'm too old i don't want to i don't want to learn a new thing but uh the, the all the people want to see matt doing all people.
0: the dance crazes here you got to get on the tiktok here <laughs> tall tiktok make it out uh, we'll, 2022 <laughs> we'll see we'll see um all the shows can be found
1: the archives are all at audio.com or wherever you're you get your podcast just search out tall audio we have uh, a different craft beer before each or uh, during each show and talk about the sports news of the day so uh yeah if you want to check that out we'd love to have you at talk audio.com or wherever you get your podcasts
0: And that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. As always, a huge thank you goes out to our guest today, Matt Robinson from Tall Can Audio for stopping by, talking all things NHL free agency frenzy with us. Be sure to check out Tall Can Audio wherever you guys find podcasts from. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, give us a five-star write-up on whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to this on. Check out the DinesPressBox.com where we've constantly got new content going up there daily, long-form pieces, breaking news videos and more until next time folks stay safe we'll see you in a bit